I'm George Brundle. Hi, I'm, I'm Larry Davis. George definitely doesn't have giggles because we just had to abort a terrible opening and restart. <laughs> restart again. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, no, all right, that's probably a good call. Uh, this is American Retro Pie. We talk about video games or something. I don't really even know at this point. You're playing through <laughs> a list of 200 and f 250 retro video games, and then you have yep. to talk to me about it, and I don't know what's coming up. And yeah. well, the results highly variable, it turns out. Except for this week, because uh, there are a few games on my list where I know that you have uh, zero concept what the game is even is, and so it's very difficult to hold a discussion. Uh, so y this is the first week where you are aware of what's coming up, and probably one of like maybe three other weeks where we'll probably have to do. That. Did not know you were going to pull back the curtain on this, but yes, that's true. Right. Uh, even so, it kind of didn't matter because, as it turns out, I could not get one of the games to work. So whatever. Turns out Sega CD emulation is something that Larry can't get figured out. It turns out it's one game in particular for the Sega CD Actually, that I can get to figure out because I even got a second dump of it, which also did not work. I'm thinking it might have more to do with a compatibility issue with Kega Fusion than anything. Maybe. Uh, we should just jump into it then. Okay. Doesn't matter right. what I've been playing. No, you ask every oh, other time, it's like, uh, no, nothing this week, games. I'm not playing anything new. This time I actually have been playing two new things, and you're like, ah, let's get into the games. Uh, alright, alright, alright. Talk to me about Control. Control's a really good game. Uh, I'm a huge mark for Remedy, as you know. Uh, developers of the Max Payne series. Uh, well, 1 and 2. Alan Wake, Quantum Break. This is basically Quantum Break, but without the, like, ill-advised TV episode cutscene gimmick that that one had. That was a really yeah. good game, other than that, which really dragged the whole thing down. Uh, so, okay, I just became aware of this today. Are you aware of, like, this SCP thing? Yeah, I've known about that for a while. It's... I, I'm sure anyone listening to this at this point has probably heard of SCP. Uh, I imagine probably. there's very few people who haven't. It would be weird if you haven't, actually. Uh, but it's like a wiki thing where basically you just write like an entry on a kind of monster as if though it is being cataloged by this organization. And highly variable with the quality of that because it's a wiki and anybody can edit it. Okay, well, I never heard of it, but apparently that's basically what this game is. Uh, except with a narrative and written by people who know what they're doing instead of a bunch of internet randos. Yeah, probably and, a lot less variable. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool, actually. Um, so yeah, it has this stuff about like these objects... Uh, was forget what the... Like, objects of power. Oops. And, like, you, there are these videos from, like, their main scientist guy who looks like Vince Gilligan, who's just talking about, like, giving you demonstrations of these objects of power and, like, talking about how this floppy disk was throwing pencils at people. Uh, and then it just has this... Remedy's always messed around with including FMV in their games. 
which is why the whole TV episode thing in Quantum Break made sense. The implementation, not so much, but here it continues to blend FMV in really cool and unique ways, uh, more than just like those videos being present about the game. Mm-hmm. But it's one of the few games where I've actually looked at all of the collectibles that you can read. Uh, like when I was going through Dishonored and stuff, it's like I, I'm not going to read all these like poems about whaling or whatever. But in this, there are a lot of like inter-office memos about weird ways the facility has been shifting, and uh, just like extra stuff about the bizarre objects that are just like strewn around the facility no no it's interesting it's funny um, I pretty much never read any of those kind of like oh there's a bunch of journal entries throughout the world or like, the only time I ever really get involved in that stuff is if it's a recording and I don't have to stop playing the game to actually like digest that information right uh, I agree there are some really good bits with um... I mean I don't play video game to read don't what? I don't play a video game to read. Oh. Come on. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, but there are some radio shows you can find. They're kind of like a Art Bell, like Coast to Coast AM style. Sort of like in Prey. Uh, hmm. Prey 1. Original Prey. I guess I can't yeah. just say Prey 1. Yeah. Uh, but it's kind of like that, but it's a fictional one. Uh, that one, like Prey had real Art Bell in it. Yeah, did talk about authenticity. Nothing's more authentic than art, Bill. Agreed. I mean, <laughs> actually, in a way, kind of. Uh, yeah, control's really cool. Uh, I've also been playing Ancestors, but I'm not going to get into that now. That'll be for a future episode, which will probably come out about five weeks after I have been done playing Ancestors. <laughs> Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Uh, but this week, uh, the games that we're talking about have not a goddamn thing to do uh, with... Well, I guess maybe kind of, because those games do have FMV in it, and uh, these games also have a lot of FMV. Oh, and I should mention, Control is it's a third-person shooter. It has, like, mind powers in it. It's basically like PsyOps, the Mind Gate Conspiracy which I really like because I love PsyOps and it never got a sequel despite setting up one at the end. So, okay. I, I realize I didn't say what Control actually is. I mean, it's a it's a Remedy game and I think that's really also all you need to say what that thing is to help people understand what it is. That's true, but the others haven't like had telekinetic powers and stuff. And Quantum Break did have a little bit. Uh, like it had the dash that is present again here like it's basically exactly the same functionally uh, and I think it had like it had a shield thing which you also have here so like I said it, it's basically quantum break but oh and the janitor the janitor's great Ati he's like this weirdo guy he's like a I don't know what his ethnicity, ethnicity is he sounds like Dracula like his <laughs> accent <laughs> Yes, yes, easy peasy. It's just around the corner. But first, we need to get you working. 
very small couple of hours chop. Uh, but he looks kind of like an old, like, David Lynch. Like, he has the same kind of hair. It's great. I love him. Mm. What's your favorite SCP? What's your favorite spook up monster? I don't know. You I like this, this one game? that it's... Uh, no, like the, the actual SCP. I don't know. I, Why assume, would I... I assume, since you played this game, now you're aware of it, you've gone in and you've read the entire SCP archives. You're a nope. huge fan. I became aware of it about four hours ago. <laughs> Uh, I actually do kind of like that site when it's just entries where you can tell people are just fucking around. Okay. Like those are those are good. There, there's one that's just like a bus that is actually a giant insect that just looks like a bus. So when people go inside of it, they just get consumed by the insect, and then the bus just flies away. Doesn't even drive drive away; just sprouts wings and just flies off into the sky. Hmm. I will say that finding out about SCP made me like control less but uh yeah it's still like at least i can take solace in the fact that this is like the best implementation of that trope yeah like i think that's i don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that conceptually uh scp itself though like i said because it's a wiki thing like i i think more of it is maybe bad than it is good oh sure like sure. There, I mean, there's a lot of fanfic um, so of course. Yeah. But there's a lot of like a popular trope on that site is to just like black out a bunch of text and say it's been redacted because it's supposed to read kind of like a, you know, a government sure. like classified file. But then people like over rely on that. And so it's just a bunch of redacted and it's like, ooh, I don't know, something spooky must have happened in there without actually needing to like put forth the effort to write something that is scary. Right. There's uh, stuff in, like, there's definitely plenty of redacted stuff in Control, but you can tell basically what it is. Um, It's just, or other ones, you can tell, like, they're sort of hiding it because it's related to the story of the game. Uh, And then there are some that are just, like, pretty much the entire document is redacted, which is funny. Because it's just, like, you'll see occasional words that... Like, I think there's one that implies that, like, someone just exploded spontaneously, and so it's just, like, everything redacted except for, like, viscera somewhere in there, or, like, walls. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. The, the only other uh, SCP that comes to mind immediately that I liked is there's this one about, like, they find this stairwell that seems to go down infinitely, and so they want to see if it ever bottoms out or if anything changes, so they pretty much put a guy in like an old-timey scuba suit and just send him down there okay <laughs> just is completely fucking ridiculous it's kind of like, funny there's yeah there there's some good ones where it's obvious that like someone's just having a laugh at everything but yeah the ones that are very self-serious like occasionally you'll hit on something that actually is a genuinely good read because you'll get someone who is a competent writer who has a decent idea but it's very very rare that you ever have something like yeah, almost everything in Control so far has been humorous. We're nearly ten minutes deep and we have not actually talked about old games, so we need to get a move on with this. That's Although fine. I'm glad that you're... There's, glad there, you're there's not much to say about these. I actually, I actually pulled a lot of uh, interesting trivia and facts about these games that I do want to talk about. Well, um, we'll see. Uh, so we'll get into it. Uh, Larry, it's a little-known fact that in the 1990s, no console was hornier than the Sega CD. 
and nothing exemplified the synergy more than the crotch shots and dragon nuts of KO Flying Squadron. Also on the show, we'll be talking about Popful Mail, developed by Falcom, who stopped making Yee's games nobody gives a fuck about long enough to give us an action RPG that's about as mediocre as KO Flying Squadron. Uh, which CD, uh, Sega CD is your favorite? Uh, the one that's side by side with the Genesis, or the one where you stack the Genesis on top of it, building higher and higher until you formed a grotesque Tower of Babel out of mistakes and squandered opportunity? Which one? I like the side one. Yeah, that one's pretty good. But I also like uh, when you put the 32X on it and it looks like a toilet. Right. Make a Tower of Babel, as you say? Tower of Babel. Babel, Babel, yeah. One of those things. Okay. I don't, look, how often am I saying Tower of Babel in real life? Uh, how often do you say Babelfish? <sighs> A lot more often than I say Tower of Babel. How often do you talk about Babel, the movie by Alejandro Inarritu? This would be the first time. Oh. Start uh, Rinko Kikuchi before Pacific Rim. Hmm. It's probably what it's best known for, I would guess. Because nobody remembers the movie. It was one of those things that was like Magnolia or something where it's about all of these different people and you know, it's it's about language barriers, see, that's why it's called Babel. Yeah, I get it. it sounds neat. What do you want to talk about first? Oh, I really needed to burp and it just would not happen. Great. Uh K Flying Squadron, probably. Uh this okay. uh, so I wanna just like read this bit from giant bomb because i had a uh i was trying to find out like a little bit of information about the publisher of this which is D jvc musical industries mm -hmm. uh, because when i pulled up in their page it was just nothing but obviously stuff related to music it's just a bunch of like cd releases um uh, so i was trying to figure out like okay when did these guys make video games and what other video games did they make because that information was just not readily accessible on their wikipedia uh, so verbatim from Giant Bomb, uh, before 1996, Victor's video game division simply shared the name of the company. Between 1986 to 1993, games were credited as a product of Victor Musical Industries. Between 93 and 1996, it was Victor Entertainment. And in October of 1996, Victor's Entertainment Game Division merged with Packin Video to become Victor Interactive Software Incorporated. Victor Interactive Software would eventually become Marvelous Interactive in 2003 after another merger. Oh. So this is a long walk to say this is the same company that published Deadly Premonition. Huh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I would, I would not have guessed that. I did the same thing. I looked for who made it and just got that same Wikipedia page with all the like music stuff and just gave up. Like, ah, okay. Yeah. I figured no, they I, just I, went kaput. I dug a little deeper because I was just like, well, I know that they've made other stuff because um, there is, in fact, two other KO games out there. Um, KO Flying Squadron 2, and then there is uh, like a party game that they made that's only on the PlayStation 1. Uh, but yeah, th just uh, this very weird lineage of, oh, these guys eventually became Marvelous. Weird. Yeah. Weird, wild stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, uh, speaking of people who worked on this game, the animations were done by, uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce this, Studio uh, Periot? I think it's Puro. Puro? Okay. 
Yeah. But they, uh, their Hercule current productions Pierrot. include Black Clover. Yep. Uh, which I believe that was that one of the ones we watched when we did uh, anime roulette on stand. Uh, it is also uh, Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. Uh, and previously, Super Milk Jam. Great. Yeah. Now that's a show. So, yeah. So this this game was developed, or this game was published by the people who put out Deadly Premonition, Marvelous, uh, who are great. Uh, the animation team did Black Clover. They did Super Milk Jam, Cowboy Bebop. It's kind of a shame that this game, I think, is like not really particularly noteworthy at all, and is just very mediocre. Also, too bad those cutscenes are Sega CD quality FMV, which does not do the many favors. Also, that you have like a lowly in a bunny outfit. Yeah, not great. How old? How old would you? Uh, knowing that they aged her up in the American release to twenty, oh. how old do you think? In the Japanese release. Twelve? Eh, close. Fourteen. Hmm. It, it, like it just a just a little less weird. Mm. Very like Look, what's you can say whatever number you want. That's <laughs> the thing. They chose fourteen. Yeah, no, they they also draw her like she is maybe 10 years old or something. She's thin as a rail. Oh, yeah. Uh, what's the legal age in Japan? Is it 14? 16, I think. Like, most okay. of the world generally is 16. Uh, um. So, also, the dragon is blue in the animated cutscenes and then green in the game, I guess because they realized, oh, if it's blue, you're not going to be able to see this against the backgrounds. And they never changed it right. in the cutscenes. Uh, yeah, I should probably actually I should probably explain what this game even is uh, because KO Flying Squadron I think is not particularly well known. Uh, this is just a side side uh, side scroll and shoot 'em up, uh, but it's also like extremely like parodious in particular, um, especially the bits where like your power ups they kind of fly out from the right side of the screen and if you shoot them they change into different power ups. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, you have options. Uh, Ko is a, uh, a kind of like a God. What's what's the name of the the trope? Mag- magical girl, I think, yep. is what it is, like Sailor Moon kind of thing. Okay, didn't know if there was like another word to it. Um, nah, there she probably turns, is. Yeah, but uh, she turns into a bunny girl, like, uh, and by that I mean like Playboy bunny outfit bunny girl. Yeah. And then rides around on a dragon, and this is what's uh, shooting projectiles out. And then there are smaller dragons that you get that are just basically your options. Um, and you just uh, you shoot at a bunch of tanukis. Pretty much, that's the whole game. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, not super noteworthy. Like, especially uh, with it kind of cribbing on Proteus's playstyle, I think Proteus is at least more noteworthy because it's a lot more strange. It is like Proteus. He got that that huge can can lady, and he got to like dodge between her legs and everything. Yeah, uh, this has some interesting like sort of bosses and stuff, but that's kind of it. Like the main enemies are basically just a bunch of the Tanuki guys. Yeah. Uh, the best part is the opening cutscene, though. (laughs) Yeah, which starts out as this like very self-serious history lesson about feudal Japan and then just turns into the most goddamn 1990s anime shit. Yep. Like, it starts with 
like the sepia toned thing about the history of Japan and like pictures of castles being firebombed and whatever like grave of the fireflies and then it just cuts to them like oh no they're attacking and then like turning into the bunny girl and the there's this old lady who's clearly just voiced by a guy like doing an old lady <laughs> voice who like bonks her over the head because they took the key yeah, the, the Tanukis are after some kind of key, and it is never specified in the game what exactly that key does. Also, the heroes do not care. Cause, so no. the bad guys like this Dr... What's it, like Dr. Poop or something? Dr. Pooh. Or, Poo. no, Dr. Pone. Whatever. Dr. Uh, who is yeah, vo- yeah. voiced by the guy who voiced Mojo Jojo, by the way. <laughs> uh, and okay. That's true. He's in, like, everything, though. That's great, though. Like, literally everything. I would say that KO is connected to so many good things, but is in itself just kind of, like, whatever. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Fuck. Uh, I mean, you know, it's the same way, like, I feel about Blade Runner. Like, every part of that is something that I should enjoy, and yet, nope, no thanks. Mm. Uh, but there's a scene near the end, like, before you go to the last level... Where the Dr. Pone. Dr. Pone. 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 Who? Pone. 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 Pound. Pound. Sure, it's close enough. Pone. What does the Tanuki do, Larry? He's like talking about his uh, evil plan, and KO does not care. She's just like playing with the dragon the whole time yeah yeah it's that's cute. fun also i really enjoy how all of these cutscenes at the end uh they like give a preview of the next episode and it's like press start to play or whatever that's yeah, cool. so it's like next time on ko's flying squadron yeah and yeah i like that stuff like there's there's definitely things about this game that i think are very charming i i think just the the character design i mean besides the fact that like rambi is uncomfortable but like this stuff with the Tanukis and the different like machines that they pilot, um, just kind of the level design in general. There's one level where it's just like you're fighting the American Air Force for no reason at all. Yeah. And like the 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 boss is like this giant uh, ship with like a bunch of hatches where little Abraham Lincoln's come out. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, there's like, some good like stuff, there's stuff in there. Yeah, there there's good stuff in this game. Um, but as as far as the gameplay goes, like it just sort of feels like Parodius, but sort of lacking the stuff that really makes it feels too much like an imitation. I guess is is my beef with that. Sure. Like I, if I'm playing that kind of game, I would just rather go play Parodius. Me too. Yeah, and Parodius. Uh, fun fun fact. Uh, since did a little inside baseball earlier on in the episode, Parodius was originally on this list instead of Ko. Uh, because that game does not like Mame likes to throw a fit with Parodius and just completely fucking crash on me uh, after like maybe 20 minutes of playing that game and it does it like fairly consistently so I could not actually finish Parodius uh, so I found like this Parodius like game and was like this is good enough <laughs> <laughs> so now okay. we have to talk about Ko. uh but I actually, um, I originally found out about KO from a YouTube channel called GameSack. Uh, 
it's it's kind of like a relatively well-known YouTube channel for people who get deep into like retro games. Uh, they they sort of do maybe some. I think calling it angry video game nerd style comedy bits is not quite accurate, but they basically they try to do like comedy stuff in it that's not really good. But when they actually get into like the meat of oh here's what's under the hood of these consoles, here's a bunch of old games that you probably have not heard of. Let's talk about the weird connections between these different studios. Like they're super, super informative and knowledgeable. And so I found out about about Ko in like a, uh, hey, let's just take a look at Sega CD games video that they put out. Uh, Wait, okay. Like, so here's the thing. Not much on the Sega CD. <laughs> so, all right. So you couldn't get like whatever the other Parodius was to work on Mame. Why not just play the PlayStation version of Sexy Parodius? Because I completely forgot about that. <laughs> okay, I mean that's the like that's the Parodius that I know. Because that's. I like mean, I do need to replace. I do need to replace Ranger X on this list. So, I mean, oh there, come on, you coward! There's, there's an idea. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, a few other things that I had, I kind of like noted and wanted to bring up to you about a uh, Ko Flying Squadron. Like, like I mentioned, there's a Ko Flying Squadron two. Uh, that came out on the Sega Saturn, uh, so they're able to be a bit more ambitious about it. What kind of game would you think that is, though? Ikari Warriors type, like top-down? Or uh, no. like Pocky and Rocky? No. What if I told you it was like a Tomba? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that. Uh, it, it's not quite... They're like they don't do here's a bunch of quests and you need to like revisit areas. It's more of just a action platformer game, but there is something very Tomba esque about how that thing sort of looks and appears to play. It's bizarre that that is the direction that they went with it. Uh, there is a lot of because it was that moment in time in video games, uh, your character's not shutting the fuck up. Oh, Bubsy Syndrome. Yeah, uh, a lot of Ko. Anytime she picks something up, going got it, and she picks up a lot of shit in that game. And that's not. Uh, that and then bad. like, level three also is basically just level one from the original Ko Flying Squadron. It's like this weird callback. Weird. Uh, but then it's also, like the sprites. Metal, it's ass- like in Metal Gear Solid Four when you go back to Shadow Moses. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. <laughs> you hit the Y button, and Ko has these like PTSD flashbacks. Oh. The Tanuki's getting blown up. Japan being set on fire, you know. Yeah. Dramatic stuff. Uh, yeah, except, like, the, the sprites are massive uh, at that point. So just imagine KO Flying Squadron, but, like, tightly zoomed in. So you have, like, much less room to maneuver. I love giant sprites. That's why China Warrior is so good. Yeah. I mean, look at... Look, you fire up the TurboGrafx-16, and you just look at how good those sprites are. Oh, I fire up the TurboGrafx-16 all the time. I don't play anything on it. Why would I do that? I just turn it on. Yeah. I think, ah, yes, this is a system that might have some good games on it, and then I shut it off. (laughs) It it might, someday. Yeah. Someday somebody's going to make a really good homebrew game for it. (laughs) That's right. Uh, also, this this game is um, 
because I kind of mentioned that the way that I found out about this thing being that it was is sort of like a hidden gems episode of a show. Uh, definitely is a well hidden game. This is incredibly rare to actually find like a copy of it out in the wild. Um, since I'm just asking you a ton of like, oh, what do you think questions on this episode? How much do you think this goes out of box? Out of box? Uh, 120. Nope. $500. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. How much do you think it is complete in box? That. <laughs> just complete in box, not, not even sealed? Not even sealed. 3,000. No, actually, now you're going way too far over. It's uh, 1,500. <laughs> oh, well, excuse me. It's, it, look, you're like half off, but that is still a lot of money. That's still but, way too much money for this, like, but if, oh, I it's like Proteus, but not as good game. But you said out of box, which I would assume would mean just like disc only, right? Yeah, yeah, disc only. And if only, it's 500 like, for that, then complete in box, I would guess, would be like five to six times as much, because that's usually what it is. Yeah, sure, but like, it, I guess the way to look at it is, oh, 500 for di the disc, 500 for the box, 500 for the manual. Well, I don't know what the box and manual cost by themselves. Oh, that, well, that's the thing, is I don't think I was able to even... Like, there's not a lot of copies of this listed anyway. And I think that there were very few that were actually complete in box. I don't recall actually seeing any that were just like, oh, it's box only. Okay, whatever. Uh, it, still way but, too much. Yes, the very few copies of KO were actually pressed. Uh, so this is one of the rarer, if not might actually be the rarest uh, Sega CD game. Probably. It's the Sega CD equivalent of Panzer Dragoon Saga. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah, actually, but I'm wondering if Snatcher might actually be worth more than K. No. Look, look, it can't look be. Look it up. No. Look, look it up. No. Look it up, Larry. Look it up. Bop, bop. Look it up, Larry. Look it up. Bop, bop. I'm not looking it up. Alright, fine. I'll check after this. I, I am curious, though. I wonder how much Snatcher right, fine. Is. Talk about Popful Mail. Uh, Popful Mail is a fucking bad game. It's terrible. Uh, Popful Mail I heard about uh, way, way back uh, when it was coming out in the 90s, like reading about it in game magazines, uh, because the original plan with Popful Mail was, um, like I said, developed by Falcom, uh, it actually has a lot that it can kind of attribute to the Yeez series. Like, I want to say it's sort of a hybrid between, like, how the first three of those games played mechanically. Like, I think three was a side-scroller, like Popful Mail is. And I think, like, I want to say, like, the magic system or something like that is taken from Yeez 2. Uh, but basically, like, this uh, Frankenstein monster of Yeez game that, that that is not set in that universe. Um... This is weird because to me it seemed more like a Monster Boy type game. Yeah, um, it it definitely shares a lot of like uh, similarities to me as well with Monster Boy. Um, but yeah, so it, it's an action RPG side scroller based. Uh, you play as a bounty hunter named Mail, uh, who then is joined by two other party members, a Gaw, who is like this little uh, 
fat dragon guy and uh, Tat, who is a magician. Uh, all three characters control uh, differently from one another. I think like Tat has the shortest jump, Gaw has the longest, um, Tat runs the fastest, and then Mail is just uh, well-balanced between the two of them. Mail's melee-focused, uh, Tat is uh, projectile-focused, and then Gaw is sort of like mid run uh, and so you swap between them in levels and basically just, you know, get to the end of every level, fight a boss, move on. Um, but this game has, like, incredibly charming cutscenes, and that was, like, probably the main thing that I get hung up on with this game is, like, I really like the cutscenes in this game, but the part where I actually have to play it, I don't ever want to do again. Yeah. Uh, oh, quick, by the way, I said Monster Boy, I meant Wonder Boy. Which like Wonder Boy in Monster Land? I always, always want to call it Monster Boy, but in fact, oh, I they did like release one called Monster Boy though, recently. Mm. Well, that's probably I didn't know they were not even releasing. I don't know. I think it's like, I don't think it's the original team, maybe, or it's like a spiritual successor, one mm. of those things, you know, a Bloodstained or whatever. Um, and we got the developer of of Wonder Boy in Monster Land. He's got a Kickstarter. Maybe it was. I don't know. I just remember seeing it somewhere. I have no idea if it's good or not. Uh, I can tell you Snatcher Complete in Box is about 500. Okay, so considerably less. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, I did. I did note here actually. Like, uh, okay, it uses the battle system of Yi's magic attacks like those in Yi's two, and a side-scrolling view similar to that of Yi's three. Characters react with pain when they fall from high places, as seen in Dragon Slayer four. Okay. Uh, original releases incorporate features from the popular game Xanadu, as well. Xanadu. It also does not mention specifically what was taken from Xanadu. So great. Sure. Uh, the cutscenes are really good. Yeah. Like, for that specific point in time, too, where localizations and voice acting in the United States was really bad. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a Sega CD game. This isn't like... Th there were plenty of games on, like, the PlayStation 1 that had garbage voice acting and terrible scripts. Like, I don't know, Mega Man 8. Terrible. Like that's that's a game that has like a budget and was by a very big developer at that time. You think they would have put effort into it? They did not. Uh, Pop full mail, really, really charming, fun script that is like voice acted well. It's uh, a lot like um Slayers, the anime. I wonder, yeah. like when it came out in relation to that. Actually, oh, it'd have to be like fairly close. I want to say Slayers was like mid nineties. Mm, I thought it was earlier than that, but. Yeah, I guess so. Maybe, maybe Popful Mail was the inspiration for Slayers. Or that, the manga nope. was probably before this. Yeah. I will say, though, the main character uh, says, like, at one point, I biffed it, and I really yeah. like that. Yes. there, There is a... My favorite part of this game is... Um, oh, God, I can't remember his name. But there's this character that Mail keeps coming across who's just an absolute irredeemable doofus. And she really just wants absolutely nothing to do with him. And this is unchanging throughout the game. She never warms up to him. 
And it's always that the the sole reason she will help him at any point in time is because he's fucked up and was blocking her path and she just needs to keep going. That's and slick. so like there's one yeah, slick. There's one part where he just shows up and he's just like, Oh man, you're gonna love this. I screwed up again. <laughs> and she just she tells him that he is a disaster factory, and that is, <laughs> I think, one of my favorite phrases from the game. So here game I, I have I have some trivia for you about the oh, character boy. of Slick. Oh, I can't wait. He was Slick voiced is... his voice actor, Ashley Parker Angel, uh was like help? was like fourteen or fifteen or so when that was recorded, I think. Really? Yeah. I mean you can hear his voice cracking pretty often oh, yes but he went on to become a member of the teen band o-town <laughs> uh, he is the guy from o-town <laughs> in popful mail what the fuck i'm surprised you did not find this when researching oh. this because i just I, I wanted to see what? who the voice actors were so i went to imdb and looked and there he is. Holy shit. Yeah. That's the that is the most slick progression in life, actually. He's um, living his character. There's there's a bit in that game where Slick, I don't know how far you watched of it, but there's a bit where you get to, to the ice level and Slick is frozen solid in ice and Male is ecstatic about this because he's basically fucking dead forever and she is so <laughs> goddamn psyched. Uh, yeah, I like all of that stuff. It reminds me of Excel Saga. Yeah, I there's, love there's a Saga. villain in this in this game who has like um, a kind of like a, a smug, somewhat pretty boy kind of appearance to his character and for whatever reason they decided to turn him into an Arnold Schwarzenegger parody. <laughs> Okay, I didn't so see this. he's just doing the old voice the entire game. Uh, I mean, there's that guy at the beginning that's like a, a robot man or something who speaks like in a bad Italian accent for some reason. Is just like, yeah, that, oh, you want to see a trick? Um, Let me show you a little trick. A bomba! And then he explodes. He also sometimes, like, later in the game, slips into Russian, though, is the thing. Like, the voice <laughs> actor could not decide on which accent to do. Yeah, yeah, why not? Oh, man, I, I really like think that, that bit also. Like, so this guy explodes, and she just ends up with his head, and is like, well, okay, I guess I'll just take him to town, and maybe I can sell this head. It must be worth something. And she goes into a shop, and the guy just, like, has a pile of those heads next to him, and he's like, hope you aren't bringing me another head. It's like, no. no. <laughs> There's, um... The thing about Mail's character, too, is that she is entirely, like, about getting paid. Like, she's a bounty hunter because she wants to strike it rich. That is her sole motivation. And I think, like, in a lot of stories like this, what you would see out of the main character is as they understand what the larger world-ending implications are uh, behind their journey, they start to mature and care more about saving the world. That, like, at the end of the story, they would go, oh, you can keep your money. Like, I did the right thing for the first time in my life. That is not male. The end of the game, she ends up finding a treasure trove that the villain left behind and literally goes fucking insane because she has so much money. Good. She's a babbling, incoherent mess at the end of that game. Love it. 
I genuinely like that Mail's character does not mature at all, ever. Yeah, she's like a anime girl Wario. Yeah, yeah, actually. <laughs> Just yeah. needs the mustache and exactly. good to go. Yeah. Uh, but then, like, like I said, uh, th- this game is... Um, very fun, very charming, very remarkable for how good the localization is, how good the voice acting is for this moment in time. Uh, the gameplay, though, on the other hand, feels genuinely terrible. Uh, I was really trying to get you to play this because I think I would have a hard time kind of articulating exactly how this feels, because uh, I don't think you can really pick up on it from watching it. Um, from watching it, it reminded me of Athena. Which is not a good thing. I see. I I'm not. I'm not familiar with Athena. Oh, it's not good. I mean, if it's anything like this, because like there's a a certain clumsy weightiness uh, to the character, where everyone just feels a bit heavier than they really should, and a slipperiness to the momentum that kind of makes it feel as if. Your jumps are very difficult to kind of line up with where you want them to be. And as you get further into the game, there's a lot more precision to the platforming. Um, The ice world is especially bad for this because you, of course, have the thing where you need to jump onto thin, slippery platforms. And the acceleration on the ice in this game is beyond aggressive. Uh, There's just a lot of getting flung to the other side of the level because you hit like a patch of ice. Great. Um, yeah, it's Love not ice very... levels. Yeah. Uh, also, just uh, as you get kind of further in, a lot of the bosses, you need to get like fairly close to hit them with Mail or Gaw. Um, not so much with Tat, but I actually did not find Tat to be very fun to play as. I, I tend to like bounce off of magicians in games pretty quickly in general. But, but yeah, I, I don't know. It, it felt like I was putting myself in harm's way way too often, uh, like more than I should be. To, to a point where I'm like, I don't know if this game controls the way that I want it to. Uh, but then a, a fault of this game is that if one character dies, you game over. It's not just that you bounce over to the next character. Mm, not like um, Bloodstained. Yeah. Uh, and then like... Like, that's the other thing too, is your your health is persistent. So you need to go heal the specific character who is is damaged. So... If Tat is at like twenty percent health, Mail's at a hundred. You go beat a boss as Mail, but Tat doesn't regain his health. You need to go heal him. Um, that sucks. So that, yeah, and then when you go to shops, you have to enter the shop with the character selected who you want to buy stuff for because everyone has different equipment. Uh, so if I want to do shopping for all three characters, I have to jump in, jump out, change characters, jump back in, jump out. Uh, and, uh... So there, there's just the the way that this game is designed. Oftentimes, feels very inconvenient. Uh, I think to this game's credit, it doesn't force you to go back and re-explore any levels, uh, which is something that just sort of based on everything else about it, really feels like something they probably should have done. Like they shouldn't have done it, but like I'm surprised they didn't think to. Right, I mean, once you get the other abilities with Donald and Goofy, like, you have to go back and be like, oh, now we can charge through this door or whatever, and you can find oh, a, an, an, or, an Aura Chalcum. Oh, no. You, you use it at the Moogle shop to craft a tent. No. Make a bracelet. 
so there are multiple versions of Popful Mail as well. Uh, there was um, there was a Turbo Graphics and there was a Super Famicom version are the ones that are kind of coming to mind. Uh, the Famicom version is like pretty damn different in terms of level design. I don't actually know how much it differs in terms of just basic gameplay. Uh, I also think it looks terrible. They're very I'd different like it. because um, if the one you're talking about is the one I'm thinking of, like you don't manually attack in it. You just like run into enemies and it sort of calculates the damage. That sounds really bad. Yeah, it does. Um, like just the characters too. They look like really squat and short, like chibi version, like even more than the Sega CD ones are. Yeah, the, the, there's also like Sega CD obviously able to get more frames of animation uh, than the Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo one's animations are like super lacking in frames. Like the, it, it animates very poorly. Uh, actually, to a point where the Super Nintendo honestly shouldn't be able to animate that poorly either. Like, yeah. of course, the Sega CD one would look better, but the Nintendo one should look better than it does. True. And I have no idea what the Turbo Graphics one is like. I think my impression was always that it was like had more parity with the Sega CD version. I think it's closer to the other one. Oh. I think oh. Sega CD is like the one that's like majorly different. So I think it's developed by a different team, like entirely. Yeah, pretty sure. Because sure. um, like I, I know in, that in America, the one that we have and that we know is the Sega CD version. I don't think they ever ported the other two over here. Um, but I, I was starting to get into this, and then I kind of pulled back from it. The the reason that I know about this game to begin with, and that I've always kind of like committed it to memory and was very curious about it is uh, reading about it in magazines back in the day because what they wanted to do was make a Sonic the Hedgehog action RPG. And the concept at the time was to port over Popful Mail, strip it of everything, and replace all the characters with Sonic characters. And then call it Sister Sonic. Uh... Okay. People found out about this and started writing a crap ton of letters to Sega. Uh, basically saying, hey, don't fucking do that. How about you just port over Popful Mill and Sega actually caved and then worked to bring the game over as it is now. So, okay. Uh, courtesy of Hardcore Gaming 101, a good website with a terrible name, uh, there are four versions of Popful Mail. The PC-88-98 original... And then ports to the PC Engine CD, Super Famicom, and Sega CD released a few years later. Uh, most of them are very different. It says, yes, okay. The Sega CD version was developed by Sims and produced as part of the Sega Falcom partnership that brought Mega Drive ports of Sorcerian, Legend of Heroes, and Lord Monarch. It's the most recognized version because it's the only one released in English brought to the U.S. courtesy of Working Designs in 1994. It was completely remade for something more suitable to a 16-bit console audience. Uh, okay, yes, it, it's pretty similar to Sega's Wonder Boy series with larger characters and actual melee attacks rather than the bump system. Mm. So there you go. The bump system. Yeah, do the bump. Yeah. Bump and it. Also, Bob? I would mention, I do really like the cutscenes specifically because they're using, like, 
regular sprite-based cutscenes instead of FMV, so it looks a lot better. Yeah, there there are some FMV sequences in the game, but there are very, very few. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any in particular besides the beginning and the ending of the game. Uh, and I, I want to say that there is, but... Yeah, it's primarily oh just... The the beginning is like a Lord of the Rings-style thing, like, oh, all these years ago there were these ancient oh, yeah. elves or whatever, and then yeah, it, it immediately it also... just cuts to the press start screen with all these anime people on it. Yeah, it's a very KO Flying Squadron in that regard. Like, yeah. I guess just a thing at the time was, like, let's set up our goofball 90s anime with, like, serious lore that we're not going to really pay any lip to until you get kind of towards the end of the story. Sure. Uh, except in KO, it never gets there, because KO actually does not resolve itself in any meaningful way. Um, but yeah, yeah, you brought it up. I was going to mention this is also a working design is responsible for the translation, which is probably why it was so good. Probably. Uh, and uh, one other thing that I did note about here that actually kind of made me angry when I read it was that enemies were made more difficult in the American version. <laughs> Some parts of this game that I just had a really tough time with, so kind of understanding that, it's like, alright, fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah, it, it also just goes on way too long of that kind of gameplay. Um, it, typically in games, I kind of like it where there is not that cutscenes are not super overbearing. It's not the bulk of the game. I'm playing Kingdom Hearts three right now. There's a lot of talking in that game. Hey, I, uh, I, th I think this might be a good place. They so can maybe find some ingredients. Oh no, maybe. Just I gotta give them so I can make uh, like an egg salad sandwich or something to get more <laughs> HP. That's all. That whole thing is so useless too. It's like here you get this ten percent buff for a game that's so easy you'll never need it for a limited time. It's just Nomura going like, "Hey man, people really liked it when you could cook shit in Final Fantasy 15. What if we kept doing that?" My favorite thing is how Remy never talks, ever. They just like. They couldn't get Pat and Oswalt, so they were just like, you know what? Forget it. We're not going to get a sound alike or anything. Oh, he's just like Phil. He just pantomimes everything. Yes, yes. And Phil is the same way. Like, they didn't want to bring back uh, Robert Costanza to do his, like, Danny DeVito sound alike thing for three lines, so they were like, I oh, will just have him wave his arms around a little bit. Yeah, he nods uh, knowingly at the characters. Uh, you know, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I don't want to get too into the weeds on Kingdom Hearts 3, but I also just, I really wanted to bring up to you, I like how Nomura obviously traded in zippers for a whole lot of plaid. Yes. Like, that's his thing. Yeah, like Tons. he's just discovering grunge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but yes, yeah, so like that that's a game that I am playing right now that has a lot of cutscenes, a lot of talking. Um, I almost wish there was more of that in Popful Meal, because those were the best best parts of the game there is too much of that game where i have to actually play a game and that game is not good yeah um that's that's unfortunate and then like i i kind of wondered too like how much of this is uh well the localization kind of made this far more appropriate and understandable for american audiences so i wonder how much of it is like an flcl thing where like these are very different from one another because they are a lot more referential to their oh yeah yeah I'm, I'm sure it's like a american shin chan or something where it's like 
it holds like almost nothing in common with the original but guess what i like that a lot more oh sure like a, a good localization makes it approachable for the audience that it is being localized for yes i'm a sure it makes a lot of not... like weeaboos very angry i don't care no i don't give a fuck about them yeah by the way we have an email now american gmail.com please tell us what you think about that if you're a weeaboo oh we do i didn't know that I should probably double check and make sure that's the right email address, but I'm 99% sure that it well, is. Well, it was also uh, pretty much illegible because you were <laughs> like laughing while you said it. But... Sorry. Uh, yeah, no, I'm... So it, I'm very curious of just like, oh, I might actually, if I understood all the Japanese pop culture references, maybe the writing in the original Puffle Mail is not as good, and it is uh, just sort of a bummer of a game in general. Like, I wonder how much of this is... A working designs made this very good. I bet that is 100% the case. Yeah. So, uh, this is the part of the show where we recommend uh, games, or we tell people to avoid them. Ratings. Uh, Ratings. Rate the games. Rate Chaos Flying Squadron. Larry, what would you give I'm gonna say give that a pass. Don't play it. Not passes and it passes the bar. Play the game, but passes and don't play it. Yeah, passes and don't play it. Uh, okay. Sure, I don't want may, some poor maybe soul. look at the cutscenes. Because uh, I yeah, like that's the case for both of these this week. Is it's like go look at the cutscenes on YouTube. That's all you need. Yeah, download Tor and then watch Ko Flying Squadron. Oh well, yeah. I mean, you don't want people to trace your IP address on that one. I didn't have any warning. I'm not saying I played it. <laughs> yeah, no, we're going down together, buddy. Well, you and me, we're going to the chair itself. I mean, I'm already on like five watch lists already, uh, yeah. because of all my tweets to uh, various government officials. But oh, you know. on Discord, all you ever really write to me is "bomb America, shoot them all." So yeah, I mean, for that, well, I mean, that's supposed to be just between us. But thanks out there now i tweeted out too but you want to end up on the the principle it's the principle of the thing or whatever uh yeah i guess i'm kind of the same way um i i think that if you wanted to play something like ko flying squadron then guess what for the millionth time proteus exists just play proteus yeah play sexy proteus for the playstation one that's my recommendation uh and then puffle mail same thing. The The only reason I wanted you to play was to really just understand where I'm coming from with how that feels. I do not think that anyone should actually sit down and play that game, but watching it would be a pretty good way to enjoy it. Uh, especially if it's just distilled down to the cutscenes, because the thing is, nothing in the gameplay really commutes... Sorry. Nothing in the gameplay really communicates anything in terms of story. It's entirely the cutscenes, so you're not going to miss anything by just totally glossing over the game. The uh, The encounters with Slick and stuff are within the game. They are, but like I'm saying, I don't I don't know if there is, but like a YouTube video that just breaks it all down into dialogue scenes. There is not, you... because I would have I was looking for that and I couldn't find one. Well, that's unfortunate. So I kinda just had to skim through like look at the preview on the bar and figure out when the next thing was going to happen and go to that, and then eventually I got bored. Uh like I said, we did we did uh or I did uh set up a email address uh so if you have any thoughts on the games that we were talking about uh any comments or questions for us or anything 
Uh, you can send them there. I am not going to guarantee that I'm going to read any of it or remember to check. What is it? It is AmericanRetroPie at gmail.com. Okay. Uh, just Thank the you. name of the damn podcast at gmail.com. That's P-I-E. Yes, not P-I. Right. There's an E at you send it to PI, you're going to send it to, I don't know, probably some weirdo in Malaysia. Anyway, next All week, right. uh, until next time. more video games. Yeah. yeah. So until then, goodbye, dinosaurs. Goodbye, dinosaurs. Goodbye, dinosaurs.